just kept pursuing it and pursuing it and pursuing it. And like I said, around 85, 84, I had to go, man. I had to get out of my hometown. I had to go and find my fortune. So I decided to move to Chicago to go to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and um, got in school. And, you know, during that time I got in school, everything just blew up. I became, I had a band. I got sponsored by Alva. I was an artist. I had mad bitches. It was like, <laughs> yes, I had mad bitches. <laughs> back to black people in skateboarding. I was aware of Marty Grimes. I was aware of all the handful of blacks that I would see gracing the pages thanks to C.R. Stesic in Skateboarder Magazine because if anybody knew where the core and grid of skateboarding was, was him. And he yep. would always display it in his chronicles and shit. And so you would see Marty and Clyde and you'd see um, just a handful of one or two black kids in the background, but there was no obvious, like, get out of here, nigga. You know, it was like everybody was everybody. No shirts, yep. torn up shoes, ripped up pants, and fucking, you know, just fucking ripping. And um, so I, I was aware of him. And then when the 80s came, you know, the Bones Brigade, that was, right? I was mopping the fucking course up with these corn-fed kids out in the Midwest in contests, right? I'd show up and just be doing shit that they'd never even seen before because we were city influenced. And Chicago was like a flat parking lot. You could push from the north side to the south side and never go up more than 10 feet in elevation. You know what I mean? And wow. so it was like, we were just like sprint rats, you know, just fucking anytime we were skating, we were skating at 100 miles per hour. You hit a jump ramp, you know, you're going to cover 10, 12 feet in distance, you know, and these kids are just getting little poop airs and shit. And, you know, I came out, <laughs> yeah. like, stole somebody's car, and I'm, like, flying off the jump ramp, shredding wood, grinding everything, you know, and they were like, man, these motherfuckers rip. And so anytime I went to contests, you know, I was just, like, walking away with, like, first place, first place, first place. And it was getting a little, like, monotonous because I was crushing boards and just, riding boards down to nubs and still killing it. And then one day, man, I just got tired of it. And I was like, I put together like five or six pictures of me riding Alva boards. And then I wrote a letter, Dear Alva Skateboards, I've been a fan of Tony Alva since the beginning of Alva. I still have two of his original boards, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I sent some pictures. Here's me riding an Alva fish and an Alva minnow, and I want to skate for you guys. And then um, a week later, I called them on a Wednesday, and then, they were like, yeah, man, we're looking at your pictures now. It was like a, a thing where they passed the phone around to like five or six dudes at the warehouse or factory, whatever, and they all sounded the same. So I, I could have been talking to one dude. They were like, yeah, yeah. this is Duck. Yeah, this is Tony. Yeah, this is Radigan. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, this is Mondo. You know, I'm like, right on, dude. This is like my fantasy. Like, yeah, man, your fucking pictures are cool, dude. So what are you riding right now? I was like, I'm riding a street fire. He's like, yeah, check it out, man. We got the new Chris Cook. It's got the tri-tail, blah, blah, blah. They're telling me all this shit. And I'm like, cool, man. This sounds awesome. Well, all right. Thanks for talking, man. And then, fuck, a week later, a box shows up at my house. And I called Jesse Newhouse. He was like 14 or 12, 14 at that point. And him and his dad came up. 
for the Stevie Dread unboxing. I cut that box open, dumped it out on the floor, and they came out a natural white or a natural wood um, Chris Cook with the crazy pirate on the bottom with a tri-tail on it. It was insane. And then another street fire that was like black stain with purple graphics. And then um, two sets of rock, a set of 96 pink and a set of 90A white. And then a bunch of stickers, and this is pre-Rip Grip, and an Alva Rock Monster t-shirt. And um, then a fucking invoice came tumbling out, and I was scared to death. I looked at that shit. <laughs> yeah. It had everything listed, and then it said total. Zero point zero zero. I was like, I'm in. So that was in um, the spring, I think. And then the fall, PA comes to a trade show out here in the Midwest, a bike expo, because bike shops used to sell skateboards and shit. And so me and Jesse went out and met him at the airport, and uh, we picked him up. And at um, O'Hare has these half-pipe things right outside the terminal. And um, we used to skate them. We take the train out there and skate these bridge supports. And um, eventually they knobbed them because people. But PA got off the plane, jumped on those fucking things, and swooped up until he was about eight, ten feet up in the air. And then got up and backside aired out. It was insane, dude. These niggas was just off a plane. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, whoa. It's WCRP. We dropped all his shit off at the hotel. We took him into the city, went downtown, skated around, took him to all our spots and just ripped. And then we went back out to his hotel. And he called Fallahy and he's checking in with John Fallahy and he's like, yeah, yeah, those guys picked me up. Yeah, I met Stevie. Yeah, he skates great, man. He's one of us. And then he goes, but there's this kid, Jesse. He's the future. <laughs> I'm like, ain't this a bit? PA wasn't about being out there for this trade show. He had two boxes of boards, like 12 boards in each box. He cut that shit open, dumped them on the bed. He goes, you guys can take whatever you want except those two Danforth prototypes. So me and Jesse made out like fucking bandits, you know, because Jesse got on the team right there. And next thing you know, man, we were the Midwest voice of uh, Alva. Well, part of it, too, is think about this. There, there was like probably 30 million less fucking kids sending videotapes and YouTube parts and Instagram clips to every fucking company out there. So skateboarding was still somewhat intimate, you know. But yeah, these were the days where you had to prove your shit, man. You had to, you had to earn your word. So I the think, NSA amateur shit was like crucial, you know. And I think, I think now what uh what really what really fucks a lot of that up to be honest is um there's not guys like there's not more guys like like yourself, you know that that, that like that have them. No genuine. There's no genuine. Um, there's no genuine leadership. There's no genuine leadership, and there's no genuine like, you know, like like. And, and people want to say skateboarding is not a sport, which is absolutely fine. It's set up like a sport. It's, it's everything that a sport is. So you can there, say it's like basketball is. isn't really. I mean, it's a recognized sport, but every dude who can shoot hoops is probably just as good as every dude who's getting paid to shoot. Exactly. Every, the dude who makes it fakes it, but he works it so hard. He tries so hard to get recognized because, you know, his other friends are so good. They don't give a fuck about that shit. So this dude is going to bust his ass to become that dude. But I can guarantee you, every one of his friends will outskate the fuck of him. You know, just 
rip him up. You know why? You know why? You know why that is? And like it, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying, Steve. It, it's it's like that because you see more wax skateboard companies than you see solid skateboard companies, and you yeah. see more skaters in the magazines than you do solid skaters. So, and it's just like at this point, they're, they're kind of like. Whatever they can do that'll be on the page, that'll look good on the page, and it's like yeah, that. I mean, it's like the Richie Jackson syndrome, you know. It's like Richie Jackson. When I first saw his YouTube part, the shit he presented, you know, it was just like this is magic fucking skateboarding, you know. And then yeah. he never evolved, you know. He still had that fucking weird ass uh, Salvador Dali mustache, yeah. dressed like the <laughs> interior of a coffin. You know, he's like skating like a bandit. I mean, it was amazing skateboarding, but do we really need a sector of Richie Jacksons? Do we really need a sector of uh, piss drunks? I mean, it's, it's like skateboarders and skateboarding, there's little originality left, seemingly. And most of these kids are afraid to step outside of their uh, comfort zone because yeah. they don't want to get... They don't want to get unsponsored. Fitting in, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think fitting, yeah, fitting in, in. Is, more, is more important to these, is more important to kids now and, like, the younger pros now, you know, a lot of the guys you see coming up. It's it's more like fitting in that's more important than standing out. And realistically, skateboarding has always been about standing out. That's why everyone yeah, skateboards. not even about you know? standing out as much as it is not enough people did it. And when they would see somebody skating, you stood out. And so... Yeah. We got used to being on display, if you will, and living the life of like, man, I'm physically gifted. I'm gonna, man, that nigga just rolled off the wall. What? It's WCRP. We are the origins of skateboarding. It's like, I'm underground because I choose to be. I ain't trying to go out there like, yeah, look at me. Remember me? And you're like, no, you don't remember me because there's so many people between me and, and what real authenticity is. I don't have a gimmick. You know, I'm a skateboarder. I'm a chef. I'm an artist. I'm a parent. I'm a happy motherfucker, you know. And so <laughs> I don't feel like I have to go out and put the afro on and put the, you know, put the chains on and be that guy. I don't have to be like Terry Kennedy. How fucked up is that, man? I don't even know why that fool is out here in Chicago area anyway. But he man, killed this kid. Man, that you know? is one of the most bizarre things. And it's, that, that's it's like, awesome. man, it's like, to be honest, man, that's all I kept asking myself. I was like, what the fuck was he doing in Chicago? I, I have no idea, dude. It's like, unless there's some baby like, mama situation, like, that's the only thing I could think of. Is like, you got himself. Man, I just, I just came to my. I was just like, you know what, man? Like, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. From the incept of Terry Kennedy's entrance in skateboarding, it was always to me cringy and just fucking. Are you kidding me? You know, just the way he was all. He took it the wrong way. You know, in a lot of ways too, it's uh, it's it's very funny because you know the, uh, a lot of the companies that those guys wrote for, they loved that shit. They thought it was a real ignorant nigga shit. They was like, whoa, 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 whoa we do, we need that guy. Yeah, we shit like, and that's literally like kind of like you know, excuse my French, but that's where like that's where that's where I think the problem was. Is oh fuck yeah, exploitation, bro. It's like black exploitation and skateboarding has been always somewhat of a problem because not only is it just running rampant, there are a lot of like coonery buffoonery participants. 
there's so many times when I see shit, I'm like, nigga, please, what are you doing? You know? And it's like, well, I'm like, are you representing yourself or are you representing a, a, a farce of a, a, of yourself? Because it's like every skateboard team to me, after that Alba ad came out, everybody wanted to have this edge, but nobody knew any of us. We were the nicest, but we were motherfuckers who would go back to our rooms after ripping and raging and knit some fucking scarves and shit. You know, we were like just dudes. We weren't, you know, some raging 100% constant like, you know. We all came from different parts of the country. We all looked the part, but we were all genuinely nice people. I said this to someone like probably like 10 years ago. It's so funny you said that. I was, um, I was, I skating TSA ramp and uh, Eddie Radney was there with his son. And uh, they had this indoor bowl super place or something like that in fucking yeah. 2006 or some shit. And, um, and we had left, and I was like, yo, you know what's weird? I was like, everyone thinks some our dudes are like the fucking north. And I was like, yo, I'm not joking. I was like, the nicest pros I've ever met have been all of them. Every our, one of them. I'm not oh even joking. God, ever. Ever met, like. Always been super cool. Never acted too cool, you know. Like exactly, man. They were talking about the salt of the earth. They know and remember everybody too. And I'm like, yo, dude, them dudes are like the quintessential nicest fucking pros I've ever met. I've been skating since 1986, and that's not a long time for you. So you've been skating 50 years, but man, that's that's a lot to say for some people, you know. Because a lot of these dudes, I mean, I, I swear to God, I say the same thing. It's like, man, because everybody would look at that poster, like, whenever I would go home or wherever I would be, like, man, what is it like with those guys? Like, oh, man, those guys are the nicest, kindest dudes you ever meet. They will fucking give you the jacket off their backs, you know. They, Alva boys, man, we saved the motherfucker's life right after that post. Oh, man. Okay, so how this poster came to be was, I worked at the School of the Art Institute's publications office, and I was like, you know, an Alba boy, and I was like, fucking man, I want to skate with some pros, you know, and Jim Murphy's board just came out, and I was riding it, and it was like the most awesome shape, and um, I was at work using their long distance. I called him just like, hey, what's up, man, and then he decided he wanted to come out and skate the turf, and this was February, fucking middle of winter, so (laughs) Jim Murphy comes out to Chicago, and stays in my crib, and we skate in the winter all over, parking garages, backyard ramps. We fucking shred it. Went to the turf like three or four times a week. It was only 90 minutes away, Milwaukee from Chicago. So we were turf locals. We would get up there and skate. at The park closed at 9. We would get there at 8.30. they kick everybody out, and we would skate naked, meaning that we didn't have copers. We didn't have pads. We didn't have helmets. We were skating like people. And so... You know, that went on for until it, it eventually closed. But um, so there was a contest coming up in Ohio, the Ohio Skate Out, where Gons and Ron Allen and fucking Tommy G won it. Um, Dan Forth, not his double broke his back. Fucking Dan Forth, we bailed him out the morning of the contest, and this nigga with no practice, no stretching, start acid dropping. 16 feet off the top of the whiplash wall. Like, nothing, yeah. man. No shirt. Mongo pushing. Dropping yeah. in. Everyone just losing their fucking heads. He did that shit about 15 times because in practice, you know, practice sessions. And then, you know, it was head-to-head runs to the yeah. point where people were cramping up. You know, it was just beautiful. 
you know. And so at that um, contest, man, you know, so that week, you know, the Alba Boys, one day, Murphy was there. We went to the turf, and then fucking word got out, and Duncan calls me at work. Hey, Stevie, what's up, man? It's Duncan. T.A., fucking J.T., Hartzell, Cooksey, they're all coming in, and uh, Radigy's coming in from Long Beach later on, and then the Texans are coming, and uh, I'll be with those guys too. Next thing you know, the whole Alba posse is in Chicago because they all want to skate the turf. And then that Ohio contest is coming up, like I said, two weeks from then. So, you know, motherfuckers eventually end up all on my living room floor and my roommates. <laughs> yeah. They were not. Uh, these motherfuckers were not. My roommates were not amused, you know. And so every night we went out to the club. We went out to restaurants. We went out and everybody knew us by the end of the fucking two weeks. Everybody knew me and the Alba boys because we were filling up the clubs. We were giving them all the fucking, like, man, look at these wild guys. You know, bitches were going crazy. It was like freedom, you know. And so eventually <laughs> we went to Ohio. The contest happened. We came back to Chicago. They're still on my living room floor. And my homie, who I went to art school with, Stephen Gross, I called him and go, hey, Steve, what's up, man? It's like, dude, you got to take a picture of these dudes. I got the whole Alva team here. It's the first time they've ever been all together in one place. And um, can we come down and get a photo or two? He's like, yeah, come on down. So we all take the train, get downtown, scurry, you know, scurry out a couple models. They were like, oh my god, you know, they left. And then um, between the posse and maybe the four or five other people that came with us, we skated down to this um, grocery store. Me and Craig and TA and I think uh, one other person got two cases of beer and there was one joint between all these people in the studio and we shot again this was before you could just take a quick selfie or you know instamatic whatever my man was a pro photographer and he had uh, rolls and rolls of Polaroid slide film and so he would shoot, he shot about 45 pictures on three different rooftops, okay? And we had slides that we could look at, and we were all looking at them and looking at them, and then we all, like, TA, everybody kind of, like, came up with, like, three or four that they liked. And so we called John, and then, you know, the week or so it took to get the ship from Chicago to L.A. or wherever uh, Alva was at that point, and then, you know, them approving it, and then next thing you know, Time goes by, and then the poster happens. But after we shot all that shit, okay, we're all heading back to my apartment. And so it's wintertime, mind you, and most of these dudes have never seen snow. Like JT, Hartzell, and, or Hartzell's seen snow, but JT had never seen snow, and it was bugging them out. And it wasn't that cold because Chicago has weird winters. And this was February. These motherfuckers are wearing shorts and leather jackets and shit. And um, we take off, skate from the studio back to the train, station and we get on the train and we're on the platform and all of a sudden this vendor in his little kiosk start having a fucking seizure and nobody on the platform was doing shit it's rush hour nobody's doing anything thousands of people down there and fucking freddie smith jumps into action gets the guy on the ground fucking pulls his wallet out of his pocket and, and jams it in the dude's mouth and depresses his tongue and in the meantime Somebody, you know, the other person in the thing told us to go to the the next stop, you know, south of us to get his um, the person who he worked. And so me and uh, three or four skaters skated the fucking scary narrow path down the subway 
to um, the next stop, and we got the dude's um, friend, and we jumped on the train, went back, and by the time we got back, they had saved this dude's life. The Alva boy saved a motherfucker's life after the most iconic photo in skateboarding had ever been shot. And then we went and partied. <laughs> <laughs> Oh